Well, greetings to each of you in Jesus' name this morning. It is truly good to be together on this absolutely gorgeous morning. I'll tell you, I woke up this morning, I looked out the window. This is exposing when I got up. The sun was already up. And it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Well, I think the topic this morning is beautiful too. I got a I'd been thinking about a message to share this morning and, and I got a suggestion for a message and I thought, well, I need to preach that one first. And uh, so I'm bringing to you the message that was suggested to me this past week. And the title of the message is The Love of God. I don't know what you think about when you think about the love of God, but the first thing that came into my mind when I thought about that was the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifest the love of God toward us, because God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that, he might, that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. There's a lot of talk about love in our society. In fact, out on Route 11, there's a big sign that spells out love in about six or seven foot letters. And I don't know, I don't know everything that is behind that sign. But I know that that sign and that word means different things to different people. And I think because of what those differences, sometimes we have, as a Christian church, sometimes we have shied away from the amount of emphasis that the Bible puts on love. Sometimes we've been cautious because we're afraid. Maybe I shouldn't say we're afraid. Sometimes we've been cautious to put the amount of emphasis on love that the Bible puts on love because of what some people interpret it to be and what that interpretation can lead to. Because not all interpretations of love are the same. And so, to focus on the wrong interpretation of love can take us in a wrong direction. But in these verses that I just read, it says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And then it says what, how the love of God is manifest. In this was the love of God manifest, or made known to us. He loved us, and He sent His Son to be a propitiation for us. 
And even though love is defined in many different ways, there is a common ground about love. I have yet to talk to someone or hear someone say or read someone to say, and maybe the person is out there who would say this, but there's a common ground about love, and that is that we consider love to be a good thing. People consider love to be a good thing, even though some of their definitions are different. But within our hearts, there's a longing to experience love. But only God's definition of love will fill that void. And that's what we're focusing on this morning. God's love. There are four different points or four different aspects of God's love that I want to look at this morning. And a lot of it is, there's a lot of Scripture in here. I'm not... I'm going to tell you where it is, but we're going to be moving through them fairly quickly, so you may not be able to to find or look at all those references. The love of God, number one, has set the standard of moral goodness. God's love is defined not by feeling, but by sacrifice. Sacrifice that benefits the object of the love. And that was in those verses that we just read. But in 1 John 3, verse 16, it says, Hereby perceive we the love of God. This is how we can know what the love of God is. It's how we perceive it. Because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So it's saying that we perceive the love of God in Him giving, in Him giving His life. And that plays along with what it talks about, about Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. So there was a giving. Like Ben said, what can I put into it? God put something into His relationship with us. Initiated it by giving His Son. And that's how we perceive His love for us. And that's how His love is defined. I got to thinking, as I was thinking about this message, I got to thinking about what a hero is. You know, there's heroes out there in the world. And and what is a hero? Well, a hero is a person who goes out and faces danger of some kind to protect other people or to save other people. And Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus came to be a propitiation for our sins. He came to save us. I want you to hang on to that thought. And I'll read the next verse. That was John 15, 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And then the next verse, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. It's saying that the human heroes, a human hero, will give his life for his friend, for someone that he cares about. But let's think about Christ's love. Romans 5, verse 5. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost that is given unto us. So it's saying that, that the hope, our hope as Christians, is, is shed abroad in our hearts, in our being, by the Holy Ghost, because of the love of God. 
because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And then verse 6, For which, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely will a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies, while we were God's enemies, Christ came to die for us. You see, that's a whole nother level of heroism. That's a whole nother standard than what man's standard is. It's a standard above our capacity. But God doesn't ask us to just conjure that standard up from within ourselves or to obey Him to love our enemies. He doesn't call us to do that of ourselves. He invites us to experience His love. He initiated that kind of love and He invites us to experience that love, to receive it from Him. And He's waiting and longing for us to open up our hearts to His amazing love so that we can experience that kind of love as individuals. So that He can pour into our broken, empty vessels His love. And then what happens? Well, that brings us to number two. The love of God has long moved men to acts of tremendous service, sacrifice, and inspired countless poems and songwriters. I'm just going to go down through a list of a few. Apostle Paul gives up a life of prominence in Jewish society for suffering and difficulty because of the love of Christ. Dirk Willems rescues his pursuer from an icy grave because of the love of Christ. Hudson Taylor spends 51 years of his life ministering to the lost in China because of the love of Christ. Jim Elliott gives his life to take the message of God's love to unreached people. David and others in Israel's history wrote the Psalms full of poetic songs of God's love and mercy. Fanny Crosby wrote, how many do you think? Do you have any idea how many hymns Fanny Crosby wrote? That's right in the middle of the numbers that I found. Somewhere between 5,500 and 9,000 hymns because of what Christ did for her. And she wrote some of my favorite hymns. She wrote some beautiful hymns. When God's love is poured into a vessel, then His love is there to flow out, to inspire. Why did those people do this? Not because they just heard about God's love, but because they experienced it personally. That brings us to the next point. The love of God has come for you. I 
who verily was foreordained, speaking of Christ, was verily was foreordained from the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. And Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This rest for your soul, this longing that you have to experience love, God's love, is for you. It's available to you. And rest for that soul, that longing soul. Ephesians 3, verse 18, that ye may, it's talking about the church, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ that passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. That we might be filled up with the love of God, with that fullness that He has. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. So far from God, and He gave His Son for you and for me. The love of God, the love of Christ that passeth knowledge. We can't understand that kind of love until we come to know Him. And as a redeemed soul, you are God's treasure. You are loved by God. And you are His treasure. And experiencing the love of God personally gives you the highest level of value and purpose that you can have in this world. To be loved by God. To experience His love. And that love, number four, Calls you to heights of goodness and glory. Turn in your songbooks to number 417. I'm just going to read this song. Just listen to the words. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died He for me who caused His pain, for me who Him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be that Thou, my God, shouldst die for me? I remember one of the first times that I heard this song. And the emphasis was put on this phrase, that thou, my God, shouldst die for me. Stop and think about that. An all-knowing, all-powerful God who needs nothing would be willing to sacrifice Himself for me. Song goes on to say, He left His Father's throne above, so free, so infinite His grace, emptied Himself of all but love, and bled for Adam's helpless race. Tis mercy all immense and free, 
For, oh my God, it found out me. It found me. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. It calls us to glory and goodness, to follow Christ. No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in Him is mine. Alive in Him, my living head, and clothed in righteousness divine, bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. He calls us. His love calls us to a life of glory and goodness. Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known His ways unto Moses, His acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will He keep His anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our mercies. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. As for man, for he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear Him, and His righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep His covenant, and to those that remember His commandments to do them. Bless the Lord, O my soul. That's what He has done. In those last couple of verses, and His righteousness unto children's children, and His love when it works in our hearts, it brings forth fruit of righteousness. Through the love of God, we'll display His righteousness. If we experience the love of God and walk according to that love, the fruit of righteousness will flow out of our lives. A new commandment, Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also may love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. And so God's love flows into our hearts, and that love flows into fruits of righteousness. And it's displayed in love for one another. And all men know, that way all men know, 
that you are my disciples. I believe more people are turned away from the church because of a lack of love than anything else. More children are turned away from faith because of a lack of love than anything else. There was one thing that I realized this morning that I had left out of this message. And so... put some things down and I hope I can share this with you in a in a way that is um, in the way I want to but experiencing the love of God is the fundamental motivation in the Christian life and I heard a statement some time ago that troubled me and I can't remember the exact quote, but it had something to do about avoiding an emphasis on relationship. Too much emphasis on relationship. And that really bothered me because the first thing that came to my mind when they said that, Jesus gave three commandments that He said covered everything else. Do you know what those three commandments are? That's one. That's two. That's three. There you go. So he said that you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart. You should love your neighbor as yourself. And that we should love those who are our fellow disciples as he loved us. What is that? That's relationship. That's relationship. And God, when we have a proper relationship with God, we have a proper love for God, we will always operate according to His truth as nearly as we can. And so a proper love for God is fundamental to living out practical Christian living. Obedience. Can we overemphasize the love of God? I don't think we can. It's a misinterpretation of love that we can overemphasize. But we cannot overemphasize a love for God. Because brothers and sisters, I believe in the depth of my heart that what has carried me through my Christian life to this point has been a love for God, a commitment to loving God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And out of that has flowed the victory in my Christian life. And I want to encourage us this morning to embrace the love of God and to commit ourselves to loving Him in return and to that relationship, because out of that will flow practical Christian living, obedient Christian living. Christ was committed to His Father's will because of their love relationship with each other. And that led to obedience. And that led to joy. 
And when we do things God's way, it leads to joy because we know that He loves us and He gave us His commandments because He loves us and He wants the very best for us. Herein is love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love Him because He first loved us. And so that ultimate motivation is love. As, as fear is dispelled and love is the center of our relationship, fear goes away. And you think about your relationships, your human relationships. As fear is dispelled in those relationships, you gain actually more motivation from love than you do from fear. You may do something because of fear, but it will not be at the same level that you'll do it because of love. And love will cast out fear. As we embrace love for God, fear will be put aside. Oh, that we as a family could experience what it says in Ephesians 3, and I read some of these verses earlier, but I'm going to read them again in their context. Paul says, For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by, Jesus, by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Let's bow our heads to pray.